What do you know about that, man? <laughs> That was pretty fun. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, guys. Let's get going. Cool. I'm Chase Winnegar, host of the podcast, Lee McClellan, co-host. I hope everyone's having a wonderful February. Spring's about here. And then today's guest, Jeff Crosby. It's a pleasure to be here. Jeff, you are Central Fisheries. Thank you for lying. <laughs> Central Fisheries District biologist, correct? Correct. Yes, I am. And you've been on the podcast with us before. Mm -hmm. It's been a while, yeah. Yeah, you've been on the podcast, the TV show, but it, it has been a while. We've yes. been, you know, I'm just happy that we have a guest this time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it makes it nice. And we do have things to talk about, too. Yes. yes. Cool uh, things. As far as where we start, I don't know. Uh, trout stocking is something we want to get to because there's, like, Good, exciting news this year, mm -hmm. especially if you live in or around Louisville, mm -hmm. like I do, is um, related to trout stocking. But also, just had some random questions I kind of wanted to ask okay. for you and Lee. One of them, because I was thinking it's been it's been a long time since I've been fishing. I've kind of slacked off, or not slacked off, but I've kind of let predator hunting and deer hunting take over for the past couple of months, rabbit hunting, squirrel hunting, things like that. But now I'm thinking fish, fish, fish. Yeah. Because as the days are getting longer, I mean, it's 630, mm -hmm. 645. I now. know. I love it. And yesterday was 56, 57 mm -hmm. degrees. Gorgeous. Yeah, it's, 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 got, it's got my mind going, you know. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm thinking about fishing. And while I was sitting there daydreaming about fishing, I came up with a few questions myself. So I had just general questions like one of them is for you or Lee Jeff or for you Jeff or Lee if you're going to go fishing right now in the state of Kentucky where would it be what would you go for I think right, right now you know the the streams aren't necessarily a bad thing if you can catch the water conditions right yeah. mm -hmm. that's kind of what we're fighting with the weather that we've been having but you know you can catch you know smallmouth are active in cold weather I mean and, and also some of these streams that the trout are getting stocked into mm -hmm. these trout are active yes so it's a great opportunity to get out and you know whether you're fishing for trout or smallmouth uh, it's a great opportunity and uh, are we on the precipice of any species thinking about fattening up pre-spawn wise any of those species that spawn a little bit earlier I, I think a lot of these fish ought to be in fairly good condition this time of year because mm -hmm. uh, pre-spawn yeah they're not Having to eat as much, yeah, being, you know, with colder waters, but mm -hmm. still, these fish feed during the winter. Mm -hmm. I mean, they, mm -hmm. can, they can be caught. I didn't know if crappie or any of the sunfish species that kind of, I mean, they typically spawn in what, late March, early April? April, yeah, April. April. So I, I didn't know if any of those would be trying to. Oh, well, I weight. went with Bill Sampson and like right around Christmas time to Taylorsville and we smacked them. Yeah, I think this time of year you can catch crappie. Uh, you know, you're going to be more. Uh, open water looking for schooling fish because mm -hmm. you know, they're not you know because they're not moving up yet you yeah. know they're still we're still probably a good month and a half or so away from that but uh, but you know a lot of the guys this time of year you know they get out of course with everybody with their you know electronics that they've got now they can generally locate these pretty well and uh, even a lot of our small lakes uh, we we've been talking with people at up at Kenman you know Lake uh, mm -hmm. up in Henry County. Uh, they're doing pretty well catching some quality, you know, fish. And again, they're, a lot of these guys are fishing out, you know, more spider rigging type, mm -hmm. we'll say, of fishing, but uh, it's more open water. And, you know, Beaver Lake, you know, you'll you find people. When you, of course, a lot of these lakes are ice covered at the moment, hopefully opening up here soon. But, uh, but again, you know, the, you know, Taylorsville right now, you know, a lot of the guy, a lot of the local guys fish this time of year. Starting November to March is when they fish, but one because there's you know low numbers of people out there, yeah. and they can go out and catch a limit in, a, in an hour or two. <clears throat> so it's mm -hmm. it's still a great time to get out and do that. But again, it takes a little bit of of knowledge of the lake and, and putting your time in to learn those locations where these fish winter. We so. threw minnows kind of on the deeper timber. Yeah, and. God, I got tired of catching them. Yeah, usually, you know, if we're doing sampling or, you know, looking for these fish, I mean, it's it's usually you can get on the ends of those big trees and there's usually fish on them. Yeah. So. so you're talking about doing sampling. What kind of work right now, what kind of work are the fisheries crews? So you and your we're, guys, what, what are you guys doing? Right, right now, the main thing we're doing is habitat work. Okay. You know, we're doing a lot of, <clears throat> right now we've got a bunch of Christmas trees sitting in a parking lot up at, at Elmer Davis is where we're going to do the majority of our work this year. but. We also have some plans for Taylorsville, doing some more cedar tree brush piles. And uh, will they the, be marked on Elmer Davis? Uh, they actually Elmer. Are we going to refresh what we're we're going to refresh what we've got at Elmer now? Okay. Taylorsville, we may be creating new sites, and 
anytime we create new sites, that will be added to our, our uh, those maps that we have online. I saw where Barron got some work also. You're talking about Central District because yes. obviously that's where you're but at. But this will be for any, any of our, you know, there's a lot of work being done on Barkley right now. Yeah, uh, I, actually that's airing on this week's show. Okay. We went down there and joined uh, Adam Martin, who's a Western. Mm -hmm. He mainly covers uh, Kentucky Lake and Lake Barkley. Mm -hmm. He's a sport fish biology down there. We jumped in the boat with him not long ago, maybe a week or two ago. Yeah, I think he said it was like 460 miles of shoreline mm -hmm. that they were doing on Barkley. They're, they're working on a significant portion. Uh, we were down there for a week with them, yeah. just, uh, er, let's say, early February, or I guess actually end of January. Is when what were, were they putting out? They were, it was, so they were actually going, they had a, an agreement with um, LBL, mm -hmm. and they were going up onto LBL via boat, parking on the shore, walking up with chainsaws mm -hmm. and selecting specific trees that matched what they wanted. Um, I, one of the examples he gave in the video you'll see on this weekend on Kentucky Field was he picked a hickory because it's a hardwood and it's going to last longer in the water and he picked this tree because it had very few branches and he said that this is specifically spawning habitat for largemouth bass mm -hmm. or for black bass and that they prefer simple structure. So they're looking for, you know, maybe just a stick here and there. They don't necessarily want a big cedar tree, you know, mm -hmm. with that much of thick cover. Yeah, this was, you know, when we do a lot of different habitat work. You know, yeah. we do habitat work that's for fishermen, but we also do habitat work that's for the fish, yeah. you know, trying to provide that spawning area. And uh, that's kind of mainly the, the work that they were doing at that time. Now they're gonna go back and plant cypress trees. And they, I mean, there's a, there's a, They've got a, a really nice grant to do this money. Uh, it all came from a federal grant. A federal too, grant, so yes. we aren't paying for it. So, uh, so that's it's. Uh, you no, know, this is kind of a, a bigger project or part of a bigger project that this uh, part that they were doing. But we went down and helping them cut those trees, drag them out, and we we're trying to you know. But every 30, 30 yards, I guess, that's you know, thirty feet, but well, probably about thirty to fifty feet, probably apart. You're trying to lay this. Basically, uh, we'll say a, a pole. Basically, I mean, you know, or, or a, a tree trunk, uh, maybe with a little bit of an end to it, with yeah. a little bit. But it, that allows those bass to spawn around it, um, and uh, also gives those fry a place to go hide too. And it looked like they were dragging them into the lake, kind of long ways off the bank, so yes. uh, perpendicular mm -hmm. to the bank. And that, and the, they didn't set them very deep. The top of the trees, like the actual tree itself was kind of on water level. Mm -hmm. So you're talking maybe three or four feet deep right now, but as the water comes up another three or four feet to summer pool, I mean, that'll be five, eight to four feet deep, which is about what you want for yeah, Well, we were, when we were there, the lake was full because uh, we were there right after a, one of those storms. And uh, we, were, we were trying to hit four to five feet yeah. is what we were, we were shooting for. And that's kind of what I think for out there, that's going to be a good depth. And these trees are long enough that, you know, the front end may be in four and the back end may be in six or seven, yeah. Yeah. just depending on the bank slope. It's yeah. nice with that gradual slope you got at Barkley. If you yeah. were going to do that mm -hmm. same thing at Cumberland, you might be looking at <laughs> oh my, yeah. two, two feet on the back. Yeah. And, and 60 feet out the bottom. Yeah, just how, how long is the tree? Yeah. <laughs> but I have to admit, you know, when you're sitting there and you look back down that bank and you're looking at, you know, those treetops sticking up a little bit, it mm. looked great. I mean, it's going to it's gonna provide anglers something to fish, but it also it is going to provide that habitat for the fish for spawning. That so cover. you went down and looked at this at we, we put it out. Okay. Part of it. I mean, we went down and spent uh, about three days helping them. Yeah, Good so deal. It's nice when you can visually fish structure. Like, I mean, yeah. I get it with electronics or when you got a brush pile pinpoint, you know it's down there, but when you can actually see the structure. Yeah. But everybody gives, else can too. Like, that's the only problem. <laughs> well, it gives you more confidence. It right? does. It but does. Adam, I guess, had this same project been going on in the past, maybe on a small scale? A smaller scale. Because yeah. he, he provided us some uh, scuba video or snorkeling video where they had actually surveyed mm -hmm. this exact you know style of laydown, mm -hmm. and he said in their surveys about 50% of the trees were being used by bass, and he said nearly 100% of the trees were being used by sunfish species. Mm -hmm. So 50%, I mean that's pretty good when you're talking about that many trees. Yeah. They did all down. that great uh, spawning habitat with the sunfish little buckets beds. things, that yeah. little beds they made. And they he made says a those bunch of beds. Uh, that was pretty wild that we you know. When we were putting that out, we could see that on the side scan. Hmm. So it, it was kind of nice when we were pulling those trees out. You know, hey, right there's a 
one of those little spawning areas. So we were trying to get them close to, again, you want to be, them to be adjacent to that, those areas, if not very close. And as the lake came down, the, of course, they were going to bring, bring the lake back down to Winter Pool. They were going to try to adjust some of those trees anyway and uh, to where, what's usable. Because what you want to do is you want that to be, they're sitting on concrete blocks and you want them to be off the bottom a little bit, or actually the concrete with the tree sitting on top so that those bass will get underneath that and spawn underneath that is, 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 the, is the kicker for that. I like but, it. And I think that some of this work is being done because it, we had seen a decline in bass numbers or spawning numbers. <clears throat> so we're trying to provide more habitat com to combat that, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. that's part of it. And, and I also think, uh, I think one of the big problems for us these, these days is that these lakes are aging. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I was, you know, run, running the side scan with equipment that we've got, you know, doing this, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of, quote, spawning habitat or what we're putting out, you know, those, those trees, there wasn't a whole lot of that out there. So adding some of that, you know, material, that habitat out there is going to give those fish a better opportunity to, to spawn. When you, when you say these, these lakes are aging, what I'm thinking of is, like for instance, when Cumberland was drawn down back in 2007 or right. whenever it was, it was drawn down for so long that shrubbery and, and small trees started to actually grow mm -hmm. Correct. on that area where the lake had been. So then when the lake was brought back up. Some that new lake effect. But then, yeah, so when a lake gets old, it's all that, what was there before it was impounded is basically being deteriorated and washed it's away. It's gone. Right? It's yes. gone, yeah, rots yeah. away. So, and, and again, in a period of time, all that that grew from that is going to be gone. Yeah. yeah. And so you're going to be back to, the. for instance, we, we uh, a couple of years back when we took down at Elmer, that's when we did the big oh, uh, yeah. habitat project the first right time in. when it was down because uh, we were able to do a lot of the work in the dry. But when we drew that lake down, I mean, it was essentially, you know, there was some stuff, but essentially it's a goldfish bowl. Mm -hmm. I mean, because there's just, you know, there's nothing there to speak of. Uh, so going back in there and adding that and giving those irregularities and, and those, uh, you know, nooks and crannies for those fish to use, it just... Uh, it's amazing how it becomes a magnet for them. Mm -hmm. I can imagine. It seems like you all, when you're fishing, you always want to focus on something that, you know, isn't just a mud bottom or right. a flat or silted in. And it's something that looks different than everything else is kind of what you want to target, right? Correct. So, I mean, if you can provide more of that. Yeah. And so. especially the spawning habitat, because then you just have more fish numbers, right? right. Yep. And so it's, like I say, it's, I think it's a really good deal. It's going to be a great opportunity. I, again, I think fishermen are going to love it come spring, mm -hmm. especially when the crappie come up to spawn or the bass come up to spawn. Mm -hmm. uh, there's going to be some really great opportunities, and there's going to be quite a bit of, because uh, we worked down in the Crooked Creek areas where we worked, and, there, you know, we hit that entire embayment pretty mm -hmm. much. So, and there, that, that wasn't the only embayment being done. Mm -hmm. So it's... It's going to be a great opportunity. And that's like you mentioned earlier. I mean, you, you mentioned Benji Kimmon, um, Elmer Davis, Beaver Creek. So it's lakes all over the state. Because you, you mentioned those three in this area. I know right. Guest Creek. Mm -hmm. um, Guest Creek got uh, several hundred cedar trees and new habitat locations plus refurbished several old ones. I think right. it was either refurbished five old ones and created four new ones or yeah. refur refurbished four and created five it, new it ones. Something like that. Yeah. One of the two. Because you sent me those numbers mm -hmm. recently. So, I mean, it's literally all over the state. Yeah, everybody, a lot of districts are doing a lot of work on different lakes, whether there are smaller state-owned lakes or some of the bigger core lakes. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, they're doing a, a, a lot of work on Barron. You mm -hmm. know, that's, mm -hmm. the, and uh, they're getting ready to go down and do a little bit of work on green. They, the, they've got some awesome uh, habitat that they're building down on Barron. It's, it's basically a, a rock pile with these cedar posts that stick out, they kind of look like spider legs coming out, and and they're fairly substantial. So you got a, a nice hard, you know, uh, you know, rock base there, rock pile, and then you've got the wood coming out, and you go down there shocking on it, and you know the amount of crappie and bass that come off that is it's incredible. I mean, and uh, so it's the fish are utilizing it. Uh, you know, it's providing, you know, those areas for foraging and for, you know, cover, you know, for those mm -hmm. fish. Uh, they're getting ready to do some of those at Green. Uh, there's a new pier that's gone in, a fishing pier that's gone in. I'm not sure exactly where on Green, but they're going to add a couple of those. It's, um, I've been told a little bit about this new fishing pier by uh, Engineering Division. Yes. And the way I understand it, it's right there, basically at the state park. 
um, if you're familiar with green, there's a boat ramp at the state park that kind of puts you in in a little yep. embayment. Uh -huh. And right across from that boat ramp, there's a big rock face and kind of a, mm -hmm. a drop off mm -hmm. and a shelf of that fishing pier went in near that boat ramps and it goes far enough out that you can actually fish to that rock face from oh, wow. it. So you can fish. They, they tried to build it long enough to where you could take advantage of that nice structure and that point on the other side. So it should be should be pretty nice. I haven't seen it myself yet, but heard sounds, some good things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's near that little cut through that's across from the campground. I exactly. think about? it's near that campground. Yes. Yeah, it's right there in that on that point that comes yeah, out. Yeah, we go straight across there and then that's where we go up Robinson. <laughs> so that, that's good to hear. The, another question I had for you is, this is something I was thinking about, once again, thinking about fishing. Um, do you have a favorite catch? Like just one fish that stands out in your mind, one catch that stands out as like that. My favorite fish? Your favorite fish you've ever caught. Lee, that's you too, because I know okay. you My favorite, I mean, uh, the, the fish species I would love to fish for is smallmouth. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so. Is there one smallmouth that stands out to you? <laughs> just I don't know one. if I got one that... Uh, you know, that or musky, I guess. Yeah. And uh, that would be, but uh, I mean, I enjoy fishing, you know. Mm -hmm. And the nice thing about working for the department and, you know, working as a fishery biologist for, you know, over 30 years is that you have a pretty good idea what's biting when. No doubt. <laughs> so you, you kind of take advantage of that. My wife always said I spoiled my kids because I always took them when they could catch fish. So, they, you know, that, you know, you always took them at the, the times that, you know, they were almost guaranteed to be successful, and because fishing isn't always that, you know, oh. you, you have some bad days in there. So well, that's what I tell but, people: is I'm not really a good bass fisherman. I'm, uh, I'm actually not a very good at anything kind of fisherman. I just fish for it when it's biting. It makes it, mm -hmm. it makes it easy. But yes. the smallmouth are are are, are great. Uh, <clears throat> I've I've had some nice ones out of Cumberland. Yeah. That, I have to, especially some top water bites in the morning that were uh -huh. really a lot of fun. Uh, you know, and you, you catch a four-pound smiley on the surface. You know, early well, morning. That's that's. Pretty we got fun. into them like those, like they were percolating. Yeah. So. And we, my wife, had a monster on, and she panicked, and uh, <laughs> it tail walked and said goodbye. But that's. They came up for like 20 minutes, just all around us, and then they went back down. Yeah, as so quick as they came those up. Those are fun. those are always a lot of fun to catch. And that, that's just they're they're wild when you when you hook them. I mean. Uh, even watching people, we we were we fished green this in December of last year, and the guys with caught a almost four pounder, and uh, that's we, we about didn't get it in the boat. I mean, it was just it, mm -hmm. those smallmouth are so wild. Oh, I love them, and they're oh, Lord, they're just they're fine. So. Yeah, smallmouths are fun. I and I really like I love stream fishing smallmouth. Mm -hmm. um, that's probably my favorite opportunity if I had to go back and. You know, say what my favorite fishing opportunity in the whole state is. It's probably stream smallmouth. Yes. Just because it's everywhere, and it's just nice and relaxing being in the water. But my favorite smallmouth catches have all been because of the conditions or the scenery, probably down on Dale. Dale, yeah. Dale's beautiful. You know, sun, sunrise or sunset, perfect lighting out there on a nice calm lake. And I like hooking them deep when you're fishing 20, 25 feet deep. Because when you set the hook and you feel the weight in your mind, it's, it's like, it's, well, a, is this a big one? You know, you <laughs> just always kind of daydream for those couple of seconds about yeah. it being a five-pounder. So, for my individual favorite fish catch is probably a muskie I caught uh, two years ago. And it's because I'd, I'd caught muskie before, but I was fishing with a guy who really knew what he was doing. And he was almost like guiding me. Yeah. But the year after that, me and my buddy, who had never caught a muskie before, jumped in the boat and we decided we were going to do it ourselves you know yeah. and we went fishing and we had follows and we hooked one of the boat and made the mistake with the drag because when you're musky fishing around cover you know those stick ups in cave run you want your drag set pretty tight so you can keep a fish from getting wrapped up in that stuff well i had my drag set for that and i caught him on the figure eight and of course i had no give mm -hmm. so i was basically just holding him onto the tip of my rod there and he got off and we went back one week later and actually both caught one. So that's probably my favorite individual fish catches. But I thought for sure you would have a favorite fish, Lee. Oh, well, I, well, I have to, favorite opportunity right now would be Dale or Cumberland yeah. from Jamestown to the dam. That's where, and um, um, also during the drawdown was probably the, the trout fishing. We did a couple of floats from Rock House around to Winfrey's. Oh, and wow. when it was low and all those fish were concentrated, I caught a 23-inch rainbow and a 20-inch brown. That day, caught the rainbow on a pins minnow, and uh, caught the brown on a good old marabou jig. Fish deep right at Winfrey's Rocks. Oh, yeah, wow. that depot at Winfrey's yeah. Rocks. God, oh. that was we slayed the whole way. 
I would love to go down there and fish more. <laughs> it's it's awesome. It's but my fa- my biggest my best catch was a fifty six pound king salmon in yeah. uh, the Kenai River. <laughs> you, you didn't catch that here. <laughs> no, <laughs> but I mean you asked. You know, it was fifty inches long. I was going to say that last fall I went with a gentleman who knew muskie fishing. Was the gentleman work here? Oh, yes. on the Kentucky River. Yeah, I caught my personal best. It was about a forty five. On the Kentucky. Wow. River. It was it was a lot of fun. You know, I hear really really good things about musky fishing on the Kentucky River, but only from the people who really know what they're doing. Yeah. You got to know what you're doing. Yeah. I, I've tried it only once. Tried the mouth of Elkhorn. I thought, you know. Well, I know some people caught some good ones in the mouth of Elkhorn. There's some there. We see them sampling. Yeah. And okay. the mouth of Cedar Creek, too, has some yeah. good ones in the spring. There's some there. Yeah, there's, there's, there's musky throughout the river. You know, we do a lot of stocking in the upper portions of the river. It'd probably be better numbers up there. But, uh, I mean, they stretch. No, they stretch all the way down to this area, lower part of the river. We They're saw them when, when we were out on the boat doing the fish kill mm-hmm. uh, several years ago. We saw muskie. We see them. Yeah, each fish kill we've had, you know, whether it be the 2000 or this past one, yeah, we've seen muskie show yeah. up. But, um, you know, we do some we do some muskie stockings, you know, throughout the river. You know, we do some limited stocking in the lower part, but, you know, there's a lot of stocking in the upper. Uh, and uh, it's, it's just a fun fish to catch, too. That's mm-hmm. Especially when you got a forty-inch fish, you know, jumping and <laughs> big mouth open. It would stress me out. John, <laughs> no. When the musky jumped, that would stress me out. So no, stay down. <laughs> no, but that's that's good. And then I don't know if another one favorite fishing opportunity in general in the state. I already told you mine was stream fishing for smallmouth. I mean, because it's everywhere. Mm-hmm. When I lived in Richmond, I could do it. When I lived in Shelby County, I could do it. You know, there's creeks literally in every county that I'm aware of. I don't know. Is there a, a county that's just barren of all creeks and small Well, uh, I mean, I think yeah, a lot. The Purchase region, when you but say? Yeah, probably get out toward western, western. Once you get Tradewater River yeah. west, I but, think. But uh, I think most, uh, especially the bluegrass central, you know, you, your green rivers, your salt rivers, licking rivers, you know, Kentucky River. I mean, those are all rivers that Upper have. Upper Cumberland. Upper Cumberland that have good populations. It seems like, it, it seems like if you live within... We're in Frankfurt. If you live within two and a half hours of where we're at right now, you're probably not more than a 20-minute drive from a smallmouth fishing hole. Oh, definitely. So, I mean, that's what kind of makes it nice. Like right here from Frankfurt, we'd have our our choice. Mm-hmm. Well, do we want to go to... Um, Elkhorn. Elkhorn. <laughs> do we want to go to Brashears? we want to go to Salt? You know, yeah. I mean, it's just all over. Yeah. Well, you got Floyd's Fork. I mean, the Green River mm-hmm. is awesome. I mean, if oh, you want to take yeah. a little bit of a trip, I mean, it's a little further for us here from Frankfurt. I love the Green River. Oh, I do, too. I, and it's, a, it's challenging. I think Green River is more challenging to fish than Elkhorn. Yeah, because there's so much big fat water and so much habitat. But I feel like it's more rewarding, too. Yeah, I feel I, like the big fish opportunities I, I, in Green. I absolutely. And Jeff would probably know better than us with the, with the sampling numbers, I mean, yeah. as far as the... Uh, I think you got some... You know, opportunities for opportunity. some really nice quality mm-hmm. smallmouth in the green. Definitely. I think if you want to try to catch a 20 inch or better, it would probably stream be smallmouth, I'd say Green River would be number one. Yeah, you? I think it would be but one, uh, up there. D- d- real quick, one that I loved and I want to do again is South Fork, Kentucky. Uh, uh, there's yeah. th- that float from Oneida through the Narrows. Now, the Narrows is hairy. We had to, we portaged around. <laughs> um, uh, one guy ran it right in the middle, but he knew where he was going. If you get off just a couple feet on either side, you could be losing all your equipment. So, Wow. But I don't feel like I scratched the surface of it, especially after the Narrows. There's some big, beautiful water. We caught a lot of smallmouth, but I don't feel like I even scratched the surface of, of South Fork, Kentucky. We just have a, we just got a lot of opportunities throughout the, we do. the state to, you know, either in eastern Kentucky or, you know, even out toward the west. We've got some great opportunities for some, some really good fishing, whether it be smallmouth or largemouth even. So. Last year, this is a fish that Chris and caught a green. Yeah, I know. I saw a picture of that. Yeah, yeah that, that's, that's probably the best stream smallie I've seen caught out of a kayak. And it might just be prettier because of the bars. You know, I love yeah, it's it. It's a pretty it, fish. But I, she always smacks big ones. That's just, you know. <laughs> she does. I mean, like. You've well, seen I'll tell you why she does it. <laughs> it's because, <clears throat> well, she, she knows what she's doing, right? First of all, she, and she, when we go out there, a lot of times I'll ask her what she's throwing and she goes with something completely different than me, you know. Uh-huh. You know, but she paddles in front of me. She's she's always in. So front. she's front row, Joe. Yeah. So, <laughs> so she gets the first the first stab at him. Yeah. You know. So that's yeah. that's my new excuse. And my yeah. other excuse is just my simply hand size. You know, if I was holding that fish, it looked like a 
14 inch <laughs> but you know that's a real disadvantage us taller folks are at when it comes mm -hmm. to fishing is you you got to learn how to take photos if you want your fish to look half as respectable mm -hmm. you no doubt. yes you do have <laughs> yeah. to learn how to take photos with fish <laughs> yes there's, there, an, there's, a few, there's an art to making them look bigger that you, is you, for sure you can't show that you're straight harmony you got to hide the fact that you're straight, you're straight even though you're straight harmony. Yeah. getting it pretty far away from you yeah. <laughs> you can't fully straight arm it because then they you have to let them see the elbows yeah. and let them see their sun bend so you got to keep at least like a 20 degree and you can use a blocker the side of your kayak too kind of because then people your eyes will be on that but the fish will look bigger you got to do an article on how to take fish photos Lee. i know that we are talking about um doing something this might have already been brought to your attention about how to you know there's a lot of information out there on safely handling trout safely handling musky mm -hmm. things like that but and everybody's seen i'm getting ready to do a piece on proper holding the angle you know yeah and of course, you know, we, I don't think we want to be those people who are, you know, just getting on people for every little thing. But if somebody is interested in learning how to properly hold a fish, it's good to provide that info. Yeah. And you know? I think we're going to put it on. I did a Kentucky Field Outdoors column several years ago with, with Dreves about, you know, get some fish. Don't use, don't use a towel. Mm -hmm. um, go buy some $10 fish grabbers at, at the department store or Cabela's or whatever. Because uh, then, then you do, there's a lot of times you don't even have to touch the fish. I like touching the fish, though. Yeah, I mean, I do, but <laughs> but I think everybody that fishes want to hand they want to handle the fish right. Yeah. yeah. So if they got you know if we provide that information, well, that would probably be very. Those guys on television, like uh, Bill Dance, is the worst I've ever seen. He does exactly what you're not supposed to do. Grabs it by that uh, lower jaw and then kind of hangs it and hangs it yeah. like this. You know, you you need to support it evenly. I don't think Bill be Dance is releasing his in Lake Crisco either, is he? He's probably putting them right back where he caught them. Yeah, he is. So if you're catching keep, then I mean. Yeah, it's one thing, but I mean, he's <laughs> popping the jaws on something. I mean, yeah. if you watch his show and look The whole idea behind it is that fish are made to be in the water mm -hmm. and their body literally, I mean, they're buoyant. So it's not like their body's made to support a lot of weight right. any one way exactly. or another. Exactly. When you pull one out of the water, all of a sudden it's got, you know, however much it weighs of pressure going against its jaw, jaw so just yeah. about keeping it in line so you're not damaging those jaw muscles and, and bones, get it right? back in the water those guys there boy we really caught these and they talk and talk and talk and that fish is going hey buddy i'm holding my breath put me back yeah. Please. <laughs> no but i oh, yeah i mean that's all true but there are a lot of times where but, i mean it might sound bad but i don't really care how i hold the fish because those white bass are going on a straight yeah no doubt yeah, crappie, so, yeah, crappie yeah, that, that they're but if it's if you have to release it because it's you know an eight inch on a ten inch limit lake yeah. too you gotta yeah. but but fish grabbers I I use them all the time and I like to grab them as well but man that really takes and then you could pop the hook especially when I have treble hooks I just grab it with a fish grabber pop the hooks look at it mm. take a picture fish grabbers are just a handy tool to have yeah, even if you I mean even just simply for that like for hybrids on the hybrids when you get when you catch them the fight's not over I mean, <laughs> no, they, they tore about the other we already know how i came over like somebody took a file to it it's like you can get a hybrid and it'll be laying in the bottom of the boat or laying on the bank and perfectly still and as soon as you touch it it's then it'll stop you touch it again so those fish grabbers help a lot just for because you can like you said hold them by the fish grabber take your pliers and get the hook out without getting your fingers in there they're gonna try to get you. Yeah, then stripers will really tear your hand they up will too. Tear you Man, up. they just, yeah. they'll start, and they have so much weight, you're like, ooh. And then you got those, those the hybrids, they've got that real bony plate on their yeah. side of their head mm -hmm. that can cut you. Mm -hmm. not and their careful. spines are like weapons. Yeah. On their yeah. dorsal fin, I mean, those are weapons. And they tense up anytime you get a hold of them. Yeah. They just tense up, and it's like, okay, what's getting ready to happen? Uh, I've never caught <laughs> so, a hybrid that came easy. No, <laughs> you know, no, there was, they're, they're the opposite they're of They're awesome, though. God, they're awesome. You know, they say drum, they're or, drum fight hard until they don't. Well, that's mm -hmm. not the truth about a hybrid. They fight hard the whole way. Yeah. And catfish, too, would be another great species for those fish grabbers because yes. you stick your thumb in a big catfish's mouth, you know, you're liable to end up with a black and blue fingernail. Mm -hmm. they will. Uh, anything. And those little thing, those spines? spines on the side. Yeah. Boy, I've, I've gotten lit up by those things so many times through the years. They're nice for the fish that have teeth, like yes, musky. like musky, <laughs> walleye, walleye. You know. so. Any of those good ones. Well, let's talk about a fish real quick that uh, a lot of people do know how to hold, 
properly, and that's a trout. Because mm -hmm. right right now, I mean, one of the main reasons we wanted you to come in, Jeff, and you have this nice map of the parklands right here, right, um, is because we have changed our trout stocking at Floyd's Fork, right? Correct. And not just changed it a little bit, but we changed it a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so what's the uh, what's around? Yeah, we've gone that? from about uh, we're going from about thirty six hundred fish annually to twelve thousand. So almost quadruple. Yeah. So we're and we are picking up where we were doing about. Uh, two sites of stocking. We're actually going to stretch this out over about five areas that we're stocking, which should incorporate about 13 miles of the 20 miles of the parklands. So, uh, so really, you know, these fish will move, so it'll, it'll be more than the 13 miles. So, yeah. but it's going to, the big thing is that the stockings are going to really incorporate a lot of that, uh, that area there in the parklands. Uh, so it's going to be, we're going to be doing a, uh, six uh, months of stocking. It's going to be uh, February, March, and April, and October, November, December. Like I said, there's going to be five different sites. It's going to be about 2,000 fish a month, uh, 400 per site. So, uh, and again, this is going to give anglers uh, a great opportunity, you know, to get out and, and throughout the stream uh, to catch, uh, you know, a few trout. Uh, you do need to remember that Floyd's Fork is a delayed harvest stream, mm -hmm. which means that from October 1st through March 31st, it's it's a catch and release only. After March 31st, you can harvest fish. So there are two Fins Lakes at Floyd's Fork also, and those are catch and keep. Those are catch and keep. Those, so, those, mm -hmm. That's up in Beckley Park area. I don't remember the names of the lakes. It's, uh, it's like, uh, why can't I think of this? Yeah, I, I don't remember the names, but... Uh, but yeah, there's two lakes or two ponds there in North Beckley uh, that uh, are fins ponds, and so those are catch and harvest type mm -hmm. type places. But the, the but the uh, we'll say Floyd's Fork itself, uh, and that stretch that's delayed harvest is from U.S. 60 Shelbyville Road down to Bartstown. Two one, yeah, one, U.S. 150. U.S. 150. So do you have the uh, the three additional sites in front of you? Do you know this? Yeah, right? we're going to be stocking that. Uh, Basically, we're going to be stocking just upstream of I-64. That's what they call the North Beckley Bridge. Mm -hmm. That's that first bridge there. Just, I mean, you could see it from I-64. I caught a rainbow there in July one time. Did you? Right there. And I uh, believe it. there'll be another one there in North Beckley that they call the Lions Brown Bridge, which is the third of those, what they call the Deer Bridges. Mm -hmm. uh, that's there uh, before you leave that North Beckley Park, and then we will stock them. Down toward Fisherville, uh, what there at the mouth of Pope Lick, mm -hmm. uh, is we're going to stock some. Uh, Cane Run area, the paddling mm -hmm. access area, we've actually installed a, a uh, stocking tube, and the fish will be stocked there. And then the last one will be there at Seton Valley Bridge. Uh, will be the last uh, stocking. That's that'll be the furthest downstream. <laughs> but again, you know, there's some. These fish will move around some. In so those areas. essentially, like so, I've. I have done some the trout fishing at Floyd's Fork before, and in the past, I'd always gone basically around the Eglon, yes. or within half a mile of the Eglon, either which way, because that's where the fish were stocked. Right. And I'm not a huge fan of the Eglon, and that's just being because that's where, that's a, the heaviest trafficked area in the park mm -hmm. is right there coming mm -hmm. in off 60 near the 64 bridge. That's where the majority of park users go to compared to any other area. So it's it's crowded, and when you're you know down there trying to fish, you might have people walking through or walking their dogs or people fishing all around you. So essentially to me, this is about the same density of trout being stocked, but over a much longer area. area yes. So now that gives you the opportunity to, instead of going to fish the same part of the park every day or every time you want to go, you can go to different spots and, right. and explore new areas. And you might be able to get away from some of the crowd because some of those areas you mentioned, um, like Cane Run or Setonville, uh, even Poplick's pretty heavily trafficked, but those two especially, get less foot traffic in my opinion the whole park gets quite a bit but so it gets quite a bit when yeah. we've been over there did they always stock uh i-64 bridges yes okay and That's what's the other one where we always stock the lines uh, we actually the other the old stocking site was actually there at the at uh, the ramp there well at the uh, in beckley creek park i guess well it's a kayak launch behind the buildings behind right? the buildings the the nature center there yeah the, the okay uh, yeah there it was stocked at that that ramp there right behind that. Okay. Well, it's not a ramp. It's, it's just like, an access. 
They yeah, the, the, the steps, steps, the big heavy. Yeah. Yeah. I've I think taken they have a kayak there. ramp. They might have like one of those. That was, they do have, you could slide your kayak down. Kayak down. And yeah. the, there's an old ramp that was, you know, back in the Fisherman's or uh, Miles Park days that was kind of toward US 60. Yeah, there's uh, North Beckley up near these, where these ponds are, uh, there is a, a, a kind of a nice, it's kind of an interlocking brick yeah, that, deal. Yeah, and, exactly. Uh, that's, that's there at North Beckley. That's gonna be upstream of where we're stocking them. Um, kind of, a, you know, again, we gotta remember, we gotta get some pretty big trucks full of water into these areas. It's yeah. not a good spot. For okay, them. good, well, I was just They've wondering. done it in the past, but it's, it's problematic for them. To I get will say, water. The, the spot Lee's talking about is marked in the park right now as a kayak launch location. It is. It's, it's the paddling exit. If you wanted to do a float trip in the area that's stocked with trout, putting in there and taking out at the second location you mentioned. Yeah, there at the center. At, there at the, at the center, That's probably a three-mile float. At the nature center there? Yeah. 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 That's yeah. probably a three-mile float, which is good for a half day if you're taking your time and fishing. That's, I mean, that's the first float I did on Floyd Torque was there. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a good, easy. easy one to get to, too. Yeah. It's really easy because you can actually drive your vehicle almost all the way, you, you can drive behind that nature preserve and mm -hmm. you only have to hold yeah. your kayak 100 feet or so. Yeah, just up that, yeah. Yeah, so that would probably be a really good float trip for somebody who was just wanting to try to get out there and. It'd be an easy float. And you can go out there and I'm looking at the stocking schedule right here. And today is Thursday, February 10th. It looks like, hey, our lakes here got stocked yesterday um, with mm -hmm. 2,000 trout here at Fish and Wildlife Headquarters. but. This is available on the website, and this yes. isn't necessarily a set in stone type deal. Yeah, they try to update these, uh, like the weather we've been having here recently <clears throat> is really, because we were supposed to have already stocked these, but the, this last winter storm pushed everything back a week, week and a half. I'm sure so they, they try to update that. So, I mean, the, the, most of the time our website is gonna be pretty much up to date, unless something, you know, when you have a storm that moves in kind of, mm -hmm unexpectedly or something, or we have some issues. So right so. now I'm looking at tomorrow, Floyd's Fork Creek, Jefferson County, tomorrow. Yes. 2,000 yep. trout in Floyd's yes. Fork. Yeah. So, and then we also got Otter Creek tomorrow too. So two yeah. of the more popular. Yeah. And that, that's that's a great opportunity for anybody that lives in Louisville. You you know, you've got Floyd's Fork I love on Otter the Creek. east it's side. Beautiful. You got Otter Creek on the west side. You got two great opportunities mm -hmm. to go and enjoy some great you know, trout fishing or, you know, even some smallmouth fishing. And mm -hmm. I, I would, and you know, it's almost, you have to be a little bit careful with the, because a second ago you mentioned March 31st being the end of the catch and release for Floyd's Fork. Right. For some bodies of water, I think it's May 31st, is it not? Uh, I think most of them, there may be some, but uh, I was thinking, see, I think the majority of them like, are March. See, like Swift Camp Creek here showed May 31st. Okay. On, so some of them are March 31st, some of That's them. That's going away, isn't it? That in 2022, the, the Swift Camp Creek's gonna be the same as ever, all the other ones. Okay. I think a lot, okay, lot, so we're, a lot of what yeah. we're trying to do reg-wise across the board is trying to standardize. Standardize and simplify. And, and yeah. simplify and uh, <clears throat> trying to make it a little bit easier. It's. You, you gotta either get online or have the book with you anymore just to keep be able to keep well, up with One's stuff. 12 to 15, one's 12 to 16, yeah. one's 18 inch minimum. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it so can, we I are, can see. So this is last year's guide I'm looking yes. at. When I say last year, this, it's still current, but it's current. only current through the, this The month. new guide will be going online shortly within a week or so. Yeah, you know, you were talking about having to carry the book with you or having to, yeah. when that app comes out, which is very, very soon. Yeah. Very, very soon. That's going to make it easy. Yes. But so, but essentially, what you're telling me is that May 31st, I saw there, has been done away with. It's March 31st. I, I'm not 100% sure, but I just know that we are working pretty hard at trying to. Uh, again, they're going to need to check out the guide and, and, and check out the regs just to make sure. And this is all very easily available. If you yes. just get on our website, there's a little search bar. And if, trout stocking is all you have to type in to get the the stocking schedule that shows you how many fish are going in which area when. And I think that the historical, so right here, like today is Thursday, February 10th. Anything that was before today's date should be what happened. So that mm -hmm. should be 100% accurate. Anything that's future is, is you know, a, a subject to change based on, because like last week you were mentioning, I mean, yeah. all the lakes were frozen over. And did they really want us to put 2000 Lake on the frozen surface? <laughs> yeah, ski them across there. Ski them across there. And uh, you know, those tubes, you've seen trout stocking done out west where they're dropping them out of airplanes from 150 feet. Yeah. You know, those tubes are pretty gentle in comparison. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> Even though they look kind of rough, but they're not. Yeah. But 
Yeah, just again to plug this website, there's a lot of information I don't think people realize that's there. I mean, you've got the stocking information there, especially with the trout, whether it be fin stockings, a lot of that, you know, there's a lot of that information there. But, you know, going back to your float, you know, doing a float, uh, mm -hmm. there's that, a lot of information about our streams out there. That, that stream can, fisheries page that is stream excellent. Fishery page is awesome. And there's some articles on there called Blue Water Trails. Yeah, there's some Blue Water Trails. <laughs> An idiot wrote them, so I wouldn't believe anything you see, but they sound good. <laughs> now, those Blue Water Trails are really useful. They are very useful. Like I said, last year I just started fishing green pretty much last year. It was when I started, I mean, it was either green or elkhorn. That was where I was going. And your Blue Water Trails article um, was very helpful in planning out, you know, which trip I wanted well, that, to do. That's the intention. Well, because you really need it on... Green, especially, you talked so about much. It's so much water. I mean, it's big, water. fat water. Well, you know? not just that, but the first put in to take out is 15 miles. <laughs> and if you don't realize that ahead of time, you know, because by air or by car, it doesn't seem like it's going to be that no. long. You're like, oh, I didn't knock this out in half a day easy. Mm -mm. You find yourself out there well after dark. <laughs> <laughs> and dark floating is a is no good. And another good tip you gave on that one was um, I was using inline bucktail jigs for musky. And your tip on that one was to use a traditional spinnerbait because of all the logs and debris you're going to get hung up much less often. Well, I can't take too much credit for that. Dave Baker told me that. <laughs> well, it's in there. It's in the article. So it, it was a good tip because you really do find yourself sticking a treble hook in a bunch of logs and hoping that your 60-pound braid can, can hold, it, hold it. it or just drag your kayak over there. Luckily, when you're creek or river fishing for, for almost anything, Typically, you can stick your rod down there and wiggle it loose. You know, mm -hmm. it's not going to be more than eight feet deep or so. But and there's some good tips on there just in general about fishing the area, <clears throat> aside from access points and things like that. And that, you know, when the app does come out with even access, I mean, being able to find mm -hmm. public access around yeah. you. It's yeah, be but awesome. I just I just did a piece for this issue that'll be coming out soon on that app. And one of the things Jeff really wanted, they're going to do a soft launch, so. When they do the soft launch, they really want feedback about, well, I think this works good, and then they're going to incorporate We're some of those changes. We're having trouble with this. Yeah, yeah. and then, then a hard launch will be later Well, and this spring. is an app that's been beta tested for some time now. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, it's there's a beta version available that isn't available to the public, but it's available, you know, to select people and asking them to try it out and give feedback. And there's been a lot of, you know, little bug fixes and things along the way. But I think that right now, and Jeff, you can probably speak to this more than me, I think it's at a point where they feel really good about it, and mm -hmm. they're they're going to launch it or make it available without advertising it, so they can get more feedback right. on it. And then at some point, when it's perfect, then they're going to drop it. Yeah, yeah right. drop advertisements, uh, not ads, I'll, but I'm sure I'll do you know, basically social media and mm -hmm. things like that. So, and I'm sure we'll end up talking about it. We'll use it on the TV show. You we'll talk about it and demonstrate how to use it and yeah, things like that. It's going to be a great opportunity. Yeah. It's going to provide a lot of information. And it's going to have a lot of things at your fingertips. Yeah. Well, it's it's all the information is available at your fingertips right now via the website so, if you've got a smartphone, but it's going to be much more navigable. Right. And it's going to be, you know, an app is just so much easier to use than going to explore or opening a browser or going to the, you know, and everything on the website isn't necessarily formatted for mobile. I think our website's pretty good, but sometimes some things are lost in translation. Mm -hmm. so. I, yeah, I've used my phone before to... Uh, Find you know I know that there's a brush site at a given spot, so I mean I'm able to go on there, pull up that map in Google Maps, and be sitting there going, okay, it's mm, right there. There it is. I'm I'm <laughs> I'm too far to the left. I'm going to be right. Yeah. yeah, that's good. So it's 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 going to be awesome. I've it's, had to use that app. Uh, Navionics makes a smartphone app, and it shows Lake Contour. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you're kayak fishing without electronics, sometimes just being able to see, and it would show your location just like any other OnX or Google Maps, and you could see where you were in comparison to those contour lines. But I think the way I understand it, our app is going to have that ability too, but also have habitat and structure locations marked on it as well. As well. Yeah. So that will be, that'll be really nice, especially for your just average Joe fisherman who doesn't have the bass boat with all the electronics. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, I think it's nice. It's geared towards... And I'd like fish. to do a piece sometime and I'm going to, on ways to fish without electronics. You know, right. Because yeah. back in the day, you know, triangulation you and all those other, you know, you had to use your brain and some imagination. Electronics yeah. are really nice, especially if you're fishing oh, in a reservoir, a big, like, Cumberland or Dale. It's nice to be able to see, um, you know, where 12 foot of water is mm -hmm. you know, right. compared to you. So, you know... what. You know, it helps out a lot there. Stream fishing, you know, obviously you don't need them. 
and there's really no use for them. And I think that's one reason I, I like stream fishing yeah. so much is because I don't have electronics, you know. I don't either. And uh, I can be just as successful as anybody else without them there. But if I go out on a Dell or Cumberland, I'm at a severe disadvantage without just being able to see those contour lines. And, mm -hmm. uh, we, it's nice, you know, we've got a, a lot of those sites available for each lake and even in a downloadable that, you know, I, I can download our, our uh, file with all the sites on it. But I have to put it into. I have a hummingbird, and so you gotta, you gotta kind of convert that to put it in. But you know, just a couple of things. Boom! Put the card into my unit, and I've got Beaver Lake habitat spots. You mm. know, so which is really kind of nice. And when you're, I still have an old map, and I. Yeah. <laughs> I <know. laughs> so it's it's it makes it nice. It I, does. And I, it's uh, but uh, you know have it have. It, it gives you a place to start, especially if you haven't been to a new, you know to a lake, and uh, or even like you've been to. It gives you some spots to just to start the day on and yeah. try to see. Hey, are they going to be on the banks? Or are they out here on some of this habitat? So, yeah. just gives you a great starting point, I think. For, well, something about fishing, fishing with something about fishing with confidence just makes it more fun. You know, like when you think, when you really think that you got a good shot at something, you, you have more fun even if you're not catching fish yet. Well, when you have those spots and you know you're, oh, I know we're going to be fishing structure or habitat here. And that's just, it seems like it'll probably be more fun than just randomly fishing around. Well, fishing's mm -hmm. all about attitude and confidence. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I do think confidence has something to do with it. Oh, though. it does. Yeah. It's, it's all about attitude the game. and confidence. Yeah, there's a guy, Greg Brizendine, we fish with down on Del Hollow sometimes, and he always marks just a little bit of chartreuse on the back end of his on a, of his soft plastic when he's using the floating ply. He uses a plastic mm -hmm. um, jig, and he'll tell you he'll say that that chartreuse isn't for the fish. That's just for me, because <laughs> that, that's what he's confident with. So he he knows that that makes him feel better about it. And I don't I don't know what it is. It probably is something to. It makes no sense why the angler being confident would equate to more fish being caught. It makes no sense at all. But you're probably a little bit more in tune or paying attention to what's going on or you know you might feel a bite you didn't feel before if you're expecting a bite at the moment instead of just thinking i'm not going to get one yeah i think it's the opposite for hunting though i don't know what it is but i think that i'm more likely to see, have a big buck come in on me or, or kill a big deer if if i've just given up for the day you know <laughs> if i pretty much just yeah. i don't know i they some people i know i think scott croom is one of them scott croom is a guy who um you know, if he's trying to get close to deer, and this is going to make Scott sound crazy. I'm almost positive he told me this. So if he didn't, I apologize. But I'm almost positive that he told me that he would pick grass out of the ground and chew on grass and, like, eat grass while he was trying to sneak up on deer so that the deer would think that he's not a threat to us. He's eating grass. <laughs> you know, so he would... Okay. Hey, that guy with a gun, he's eating grass. Hell, he's fine. <laughs> yeah. well, you, know, you seem like you're just a grazer like that. You know, just, just, just a herbivore. Does he go... Mm. <laughs> yeah. There is something to it, though. If you, you ever notice, like, if you're... A farmer in a field and you're driving a tractor across the field, if that tractor's moving, you can get right, you can walk, drive that thing right past those deer as soon as you park it. It's what they're used to. They know, yeah. Well, there's something about, I think they really can sense, you know, danger or if something's dangerous or not dangerous based on how it seems to them. And I, there's absolutely no reason for it, but part of me feels like if you're sitting in that deer stand and you are perfectly aware and you're just 100% ready, for the situation, I just feel like there's something that those deer can sense, and they're less likely to make a mistake. My turkey hunting, I think they've read the guide, so <laughs> yeah. they know what it is, because <laughs> I see them and then I don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of turkey hunting, we went out with um, Zach Danks and Joe Lacefield earlier this week. We went on Sunday. And Zach will be a guest on the show here in a few weeks. Yeah, we're going to have Zach on. I want him to talk about this, because he knows much more about it than me. But essentially, we trapped... Um, 10 gobblers, or I think it was eight gobblers and two jakes, but 10 male turkeys, and we we banded them. And every fourth bird got a money band, so there's actually a financial, but they're banded just like ducks or geese or waterfowl, and they're doing this statewide. And it's for, uh, they're trying to get some harvest information back to, you know, kind of get a feel for where our regs are set and where they need to be set. But it was really interesting to see um, those birds come in, and we used a rocket net you know, to sure. capture them, and so it was, it was, you know, actually it was like watching paint dry 
for 10 hours but then eventually the birds showed yeah. up and and it was all the action at once so i'm looking forward to zach coming in here soon and talking about that but yeah i've talked to him yesterday he's up for it so. the, the next thing we got coming up with uh my end of kentucky field here lee is the spring fishing question and answer show which jeff crosby here will be a part of so i do want to plug that before we is, go is that uh, tuesday tuesday next tuesday february the 15th at seven o'clock we will be uh live on facebook with jeff crosby jeff ross and a conservation officer so we'll have two fisheries biologists and a conservation officer and we will probably start promoting that show either this afternoon or tomorrow and when we put a graphic up basically on social media we'll put a graphic out there and people can go ahead and start asking their questions oh good um, yeah and so then we'll have a couple of questions from social media ready to go you know to get the show going before questions start coming in live but somebody get on our facebook page and, a and ask a question and have uh jeff ross jeff crosby or our conservation officer answer it as long as it's pertaining to fishing, fishing. you know we aren't going to take fall deer hunting questions um, yeah. this time of year during this show with these experts so that'll be next tuesday and then that show will be you know produced for tv and it'll run next week on the 19th as our weekly show oh, cool. so that's what we got coming up i'm looking forward to it the live shows are always fun um maybe a little bit stressful behind the scenes just trying to on my end trying to make sure everything goes right and for these guys you know trying to make sure they get the right info i feel like it's there. a thesis defense oh i know <laughs> it's just, it's just Question, 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 I got, question. I got smoked on one of mine. I did great in one, and my mind just melted down. I went completely blank, and my mouth went dry. I was like, on, on a live show? No, I'm not de defending my uh, master's degree. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's just, and I, I mean, I just got nervous and just melted down. My yeah. mind went just white. But it's that's <laughs> what I feel like when we do it. But it's it's fun. It's enjoyable, and there's some great questions. You know, and there's there's always questions that, you know, we hear a lot, we get a lot of calls, a lot of questions, and it's nice to kind of speak to the masses at times mm -hmm. instead yeah. of just, you know, individuals. Individual, because a lot of people have the same questions. Right. And exactly. that way, instead of answering the same question 20 times, you might be able to answer it for 20 people at one time. Time, that's right. Yeah, so that is kind of nice. And, you know, we also kind of give the opportunity if there's anything we want to make sure is known, like changes or, yeah. or things like that. It's a good time to, I mean, it's February 19th, the new guide comes out um literally a week after that mm -hmm. roughly a week after that mm -hmm. new regs go into effect so yeah. it's kind of nice stuff the, the fishing guide paper versions at the printer and i think adrian's gonna put the other one on maybe early next week it'll be on yeah. online the other thing that goes with that people need to remember they need to uh get their new yes license starting time to March, buy a new license march first yeah. mm -hmm. so so february 28th is the last day for this season and you'll need to get a new license i gotta go get mine yeah so. me too that's a beautiful thing about having a mid-February birthday. Is I just say that's what I want, so I get that knocked out. <laughs> Heck yeah, yeah, but that's, that's a good deal. The only advantage to it. But you guys got anything else you want to cover? I think we're, you know, we we hit on everything I wanted to talk about. Yeah, I agree. I'm good. Yep. All right. Well, I appreciate you stopping by, Jeff, and I will see you uh, next Tuesday. Sounds good. Seven o'clock, live on Facebook. Cool deal. Thank you, Lee. Oh man.